Now, birdsong, fun, and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong here on the radio again for another hour of your time. Hopefully we'll entertain you, give you some opinions, and maybe tell you some things you don't know. I have my friend EJ with me. You know that on these programs I talk about, or we talk about, the news, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news. Today I'm going to uh, not do some criminal, dumb criminal law stories. Instead, I'm going to have some news tidbits, things you may not have heard, but they're true stories, most of them from the Associated Press. There will be a Paul Harvey story today, and of course, there will be some riddles. I think you're going to like the show. Now, usually we break uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly into separate parts. Today, we're going to talk about Judge Kavanaugh, who wants to be Justice Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. It's all that people have been talking about since the last week. A week ago Thursday, the 27th of September, there was a hearing in Washington before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Miss Ford, Christine Bossy Ford, who accused uh, Kavanaugh of um, assaulting her as a teenager, they both had their say. The New York Post wrote something about it. They said the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, and his sexual assault accuser of each had impassioned testimony on Thursday to the committee and uh, speaking for the first time publicly, she told her story, that is Christine Blasey Ford. She told about what happened to her in 1982 when she was a teenager. To make a long story short, she was at a party in a suburb of Washington, D.C. She uh, drank one beer. She went upstairs to use the ladies' room, and supposedly Kavanaugh and his friend Mark Judge pushed her into a bedroom, and he got on top of her and tried to pull her clothes off and assaulted her, put his hand over her mouth. They both laughed at her. She was able to escape. They had turned the music up loud so no one else could hear. That was her story. She seemed credible. She didn't have a lot of facts. She didn't remember a lot of facts, the ones that she did remember had to do with how they laughed at her while she was being held down on the bed and while Mr. Kavanaugh was supposedly trying to take her clothes off. Now, this was a testimony that came across as credible to most people, but then later that afternoon, Mr. Kavanaugh had his chance. He came out flailing. He had a 45-minute prepared speech. It went a long way to going into partisanship. He was crying. He was making grimacing faces, shouting at the panel. He didn't, he didn't prove that he might be a good judge, that is, have judicial uh, temperament. But he did have his say. Now, everyone seems to have an opinion about this. They had their say, and the... Majority leader wanted to have a vote that week. However, it didn't happen because a Senator Jeff Flake 
And another one, Mr. Chris Coons from Delaware, said that they would not vote for this nominee unless there was a further investigation by the FBI. As a matter of fact, I said on this program last week there should be an FBI investigation into what happened. And lo and behold, good things do happen. There was an FBI granted by President Trump. He said that it had to be completed in one week, and we will see where things happen. So the investigation is going on as of this taping. We don't think it has come to an end, but everyone has not been talked to who should be talked to, and maybe this is just cover for what will happen because Mitch McConnell wants to vote. They want to put this man on the Supreme Court. What did you think, folks? Did any of you see it? What do you think about her? What do you think about him? How about EJ? I saw it and was very disappointed because Mitch, not Mitch McConnell, but uh, Senator Grassley, the chair of the committee, said that they were going to treat the that follow-up hearing uh, as an objective uh, follow-up. And so, therefore, each can, each person was going to be interviewed the, in the same manner. As it turns out, they ha- had the uh, prosecutor from Arkansas question Dr. Ford, but didn't question uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Any questions that she had, they nipped in the bud. She didn't follow up on uh, the, the uh, information she received from him that that event, July, July, the date, July 1st, uh, wasn't, let's see. He said that um, he identified, he recognized that he went, had a party that day. They had brewskis. The, the males that she, that uh, Dr. Ford said was going to be there were there. And so she, the uh, prosecutor didn't follow up on that incident and to find out anything else about that day. And uh, I think that that was her last question that she had. That's, uh, that's me, one of the major things that stuck in my mind. Let me just correct you. That, that uh, prosecutor was from Arizona. She was from, yeah, he said Arkansas. Oh, I meant Arizona. There's a senator on the, the uh, committee, Tom, can't think of his, Tom Cotton. He's from Arkansas. She was from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, the, the Republicans on the committee wanted a female, that's this lady, to um, question Miss Ford. She did not get a chance to question most of the uh, Republican senators. It was a one-sided affair. So at any rate, but we had some young ladies who who got in an elevator with Senator Flake after all of this, and they shamed him into not voting on this thing right away, and he came up with a compromise with his colleague across the aisle, Chris Coons, whereby they ask for a week for the FBI to investigate. The FBI is investigating, but as EJ says, it doesn't look like they're going very deep. How do we know that? Because we know that as of today, four days into the investigation, Ms. Ford has not been contacted by the FBI. 
And there are 20 witnesses Ms. Swednick gave to the FBI, and seemingly none of them have been called. This is called following leads in law enforcement, and that's what you usually do. Also, Ramirez, she identified several people who could corroborate her story, and they haven't been contacted. For, uh, Mr. Trump had been keeping his mouth closed about this until today and yesterday where he had a rally and he really said that, uh, you know, men have to be careful because women are saying things that are going to not be true. It's going to ruin their whole life and all of this sort of thing. There's no corroboration. She got the story wrong, blah, blah, blah. Don't think it's going to work. Now, this came down to who says what he said, she said, maybe it's according to who you believe, but it's not up to us. We all have our beliefs. It's going to be up to the senators who will vote on this because the, uh, the nominee was brought out of committee. It was a straight party line vote. So it means it's going to go to the floor where all 100 senators can vote. Majority wins. We'll see what happens. However, what's happening now, some people praised Mr. Kavanaugh for his flailing opening statement where he castigated Democrats, saying there was a conspiracy against him that it had to do with the Clintons, blah, blah, blah. And I've never seen anyone who wanted to be a judge act like he did. There is a strong thing called judicial temperament. We want to see people who become our jurists be non-partial, non-political. This guy came out with being one of the worst partisans I've ever seen in public life. How can he be fair and impartial? I certainly wouldn't want to appear before him. Now, he's on the D.C. Court of Appeals as a prosecutor many years ago. I've appeared before that court. I've argued three times before them. Won two, lost one. They're a good court. However, I'm glad I don't have to argue before it if he's on the court. What about you, E.J.? Well, I'm glad I don't have to argue before him either. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. That judicial temperament went out the window the second for his second go-round. It's just uh, I can't believe it. You know, lawyers are taught to uh, have great respect for judges, to expect them to have a good judicial judicial temperament, and they're tra- and they're uh, criticized if they're not. Often, there's a you can be reprimanded when you're on lower courts if you behaved badly. And you can not only be reprimanded, your law license may be put in jeopardy if you act foolish like this guy did in front of a judge, whether it's the lower courts or the D.C. Court of Appeals. You mean the attorneys themselves can yes. be? Yes. I see. Behaved in that manner. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was unbelievable. His behavior. But that and that was. um since then, so we're now waiting to hear from the FBI. We're hoping that they follow up on all the leads that the media has pulled forward, that the people they talk to, the FBI talk to, those those uh, references, that they follow up on those. I know they identified the house where this all took place. But but remember, not only is should he be 
considered uh, he should be looked at for whether he committed this crime, but also whether he lied to the committee, knew he lied on um, on any matters that can can affect um, that are considerable, considerable lies. And he has, from what I hear, already done that. When he says he wasn't drinking heavily, uh, uh, that he was drinking, uh, and the law wasn't law allowed people to drink at the age of eighteen. When we're hearing that it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, we're we're now focusing on lies. This fellow said he liked beer. He talked about beer twenty nine times, so he really must like beer. But he did a lot of drinking, he said, in high school and a lot of drinking in college. But he says he never blacked out. But he was very bad to some of the senators, specifically Amy Klobuchar, who he asked, did you ever black out from drinking? That is not the kind of question that someone who's in a job situation should be asking. This is not a criminal probe. It was... This is a hearing to determine whether he should be put on the Supreme Court, a lifetime appointment. Normally, uh, Supreme Court justices stay on the bench until their 80s. He's 53 years old, so 30 years on the bench, he would be 83. I do not think that he should be nominated. He's been nominated. I don't think that he should get a positive vote. I don't vote, but the reasons that I don't think it's a good thing is that he does not have judicial temperament. He is too conspiratorial. He can't get the Clintons out of his mind. Seems like he doesn't like anything on the left. I don't think he can be fair and impartial, and that's the first thing we look for in a justice of the Supreme Court and any federal judge or other judges on this bench. Now, you may not like what I said, and he may well be uh, put in office, but I don't think he's going to have a good time there because there will always be an asterisk after his name. He had a complete meltdown before this committee. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I spent a lot of time in the courts in Washington, D.C. I don't think he should be there. E.J.? I don't think he should be there either. As I said, it's not only about this, this sexual incident. The FBI should be looking into several matters. The lying, how he treated the senators, bringing up issues, uh, that shows that he's, uh, he's not impartial as it pertains to parties, Democrats versus Republicans. Um, the fact that he didn't even watch Dr. Ford's testimony. You would think he'd want to at least watch it. This was someone who he knew he would want to see how she behaved to her testimony. That may have caused him to recollect the incident. But the issue may be that he doesn't recollect it because he did pass out or he had no recollection of what happened because he was too drink drunk. But he wants to avoid that. Well, you know, I, I sort of disagree with that. I agree with some of the things you're saying. I think that this fellow, Kavanaugh, knows who she was, didn't want to see her because it brought back bad memories because he's lying about it. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I certainly lived in that area in the 1980s when this went on, and I knew a lot of the untoward things that were happening at these prep schools at 
Montgomery County. That's right outside of Washington, D.C. I don't know specifically about him, but I think that he probably does remember. But he's denied categorically knowing her, that nothing happened. He didn't drink too much. But people are calling it into they, 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 they don't seem to be pleased with what he's saying after you really sit down and look at it. Why would a person who wants to be on the highest court take this kind of position? It's just unsavory, and it is unjudicial. You've heard it from us. This is Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. What did you think about the hearing with Ms. Ford and Mr. Kavanaugh last week? Dr. Ford. Dr. Ford. I'm sorry. She has a Ph.D. She's a psychologist, a research psychologist. But at any rate, supposedly at the end of this week, we will find out if he will be put on the Supreme Court. What we do know is that the Republicans wanted him to be on the court on October 1st. The first day, sorry, the first Monday in October is always the new term for the Supreme Court, the 2018-2019, because of what we found out about Judge Kavanaugh, he was not there on the first Monday in October, and I think that was a good thing. And the other good thing is that Dr. I mean that uh, Senator Ford, mm, Senator Flake decided to uh, request the FBI and say that he would not support him unless an FBI investigation was conducted. That was a very good thing. So you've heard it, folks. This is the good, the bad. And the ugly of the news of the week, the Justice Kavanaugh hearing, stay tuned. We will find out in a few days whether he gets on the Supreme Court or not. You may not like what we said, but it's our opinion. What are your opinions? This is Birdsong. Express your opinion by contacting your senator. That's right. All right. There's more to come. We're going to have some news tidbits that I think might interest you. This is Birdsong. I'll be back with you with my friend EJ. Folks, this is Birdsong back with you. Uh, we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news. The good was the hearing for Justice Kavanaugh, or his final vote was put off until the FBI could further investigate the case. The bad was he did a bad job before the committee. He sounded like an idiot. He was crying. He was grimacing. It was ugly. But let's do something different now. Often at this segment, we talk about gum criminals, that uh, the stories that I find from around the world and write books about, put on my blog. You can buy my books on Amazon.com. But anyway, I also like to read and find these what are called news tidbits. They're small stories. Most people don't hear of them, but they're true. Here's the very first one for this week. Hitler is seeking to grab power in a small Peruvian town. But he had to get through Lenin first. Jungar Mayor Hitler all but hopes for another term. But Lenin, Vladimir Rodriguez Valverde, tried to block him from appearing on an October 7th ballot. Election officials rejected Lenin's request. <laughs> this is in South America, folks. Lenin and Hitler, come on now. It's true, though. The second story, 
Paul Manafort's daughter is ditching the family name. Jessica, Jessica Manford, who's 36, filed paperwork in Manhattan early in September to change her now infamous surname to Bond, Jess Bond. Quote, I would like my new name to be Jessica Ann Bond in place of my present name, she said at the legal filing. Bond is her mother Kathleen's maiden name, which the daughter feels more closely suits her profession. What is her profession? She is an independent filmmaker, and she does not want to have her father's name, her father being Paul Manafort, who has been convicted of several crimes, doesn't want to be known as his daughter. We'll, wow. we'll see how that works. All right, here's another one. And this is sort of cute and sort of sad, but it's true. A feisty mama pig went nuts on a Chinese farmer who got too close to her newborns. What did she do? What did the newborn, what did the pig do? He chomped or she chomped down on the farmer's testicles. The protective porter, nope, the protective porker, sent the 75-year-old farmer away squealing after he came in <laughs> too close to peek at her piglets after she gave birth. The man lost his left testicle. This is all true. Wow. <laughs> you know, mama protecting her pig. That's right. I don't know, boy. All right. Let's see. I've got another story for you. They call this... A real shell shocker. That's the headline. A shell shocker. When a British woman went to a hospital in the Canary Islands complaining of severe pains in her genital area, doctors reportedly found a decomposing turtle in her lower abdomen. The woman had no idea how the unfortunate critter ended up where it did, according to news reports. She was treated in Tenerife, for an infection caused by the reptile, local reports said. OMG. OMG, indeed. A decomposing turtle in her lower abdomen. Oh, my gosh. True story, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's another one. Now, this was all over the news. Maybe you did hear this. This uh, happened in the mid-September. A bull escaped from a circumcision surgery at a veterinarian clinic in Utah and went on the lam before being shot with a tranquilizer and captured. The 2,000-pound bovine became, understandably, agitated, or agitated before the procedure at the veterinary center in Toole, Utah, and burst out the door, then hopped a fence, and the animal was wrangled by police a few hours later. Poor thing. Well, they didn't give him some kind of a, tra not tranquilizer, but pain medication. Whether whether they did or not, he didn't want to be circumcised, is what I can gather. <laughs> he didn't want it at all. Well, anyway, there are a few more here. Two huge gold nuggets thought to be the biggest in recorded history, were unearthed by nickel miners in Australia recently. The nuggets found in the small western town of Cambalda are estimated to be worth what? 
$10.6 million. Oh, my goodness. The largest one weighed 198 pounds, 198 pounds of gold. The miner credited with finding it is a fellow by the name of Henry Dole said, quote, I almost fell over when I spotted the gold. I guess so. My gosh. Some of you may have heard this one, the headline, Crack Pipe Move Fatal. Crack Pipe Move Fatal. A man who cut his girlfriend's brake lines trying to get a piece of pipe for crack smoking faces homicide charges after he she lost control of the car, crashed into a tree, and died. Pennsylvania police were investigating this. John Jenkins of the town of Dunmore, Pennsylvania, is being held without bail in the August 22nd death of Tammy Fox, who was 38. A witness says the car was traveling about 60 miles per hour and the brake lights flashed, but it never slowed down before the crash. Jenkins allegedly told police he started hacking away underneath Fox's car to get something to use as a crack pipe. Headline, Crack Pipe Move Fatal. Oh, that's so wrong. He didn't think about her at all when he did that. Of course not. He's a crackhead. Don't they get to a point where they're, they, they know what's going on? They're lucid? Well, I don't, I don't know that much about crackheads, but um, I understand they will do a lot of things. This was crazy. All right. Here's another one. Here's the headline. Abused gal not guilty in ball bust. Abused gal not guilty in ball bust. A North Carolina woman accused of trying to bite off her ex-boyfriend's testicles has been found not guilty of malicious castration. The man testified Tuesday of uh, uh, August, and uh, he testified that uh, he punched Martin <clears throat> De La Vega who was 54, in the head to stop her as she bit his chest and arms and ripped open his scrotum during an argument in 2015. But Della Vega asserted she was defending herself from his assault, and a jury cleared her of all charges because it was self-defense. Abused, well, ga abused gal, not guilty in ball bust. Get it now? <laughs> what were you gonna what were you gonna add to that, EJ? I was just saying, you know, you're having an argument and you're usually not that close to the person you're having an argument with. You're sitting sitting upright. So Well, I don't know how she he she got to open his scrotum. I mean that's just horrible. I just, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a true story reported by the Associated Press. Here's another one. A man in China went to the doctor after he kept hearing noises like something was beating a drum in his ear. Turns out a spider had crept inside his ear canal and spun a network of webs. The man wasn't injured. The, the spider was killed. <laughs> Thank heavens. All right, this is our last one of the day, and we'll go on to some riddles. The headline, This Old Lady Loves Whiskey. At 112, Grace Jones, known to her friends as Amazing Grace, is the oldest person in England. She attributes her longevity to the nightly shot of rye whiskey. Quote, I never miss my nightcap, she said. 
Quote, all I have is the whiskey at night. Whiskey is very good for you. Sort of sounds like Kavanaugh on his beer, huh? <laughs> all right, those are our news tidbits for this week. There will be more as you keep listening to this show. Right now, I'm going to read some riddles. I don't want you to answer them right now, but EJ, you're right here, the first riddle. Why should you go to the paint store when you're on a diet? Why should you go to the paint store when you're on a diet? Think about it. Don't try to answer it right now. The second riddle. What is a cat's favorite sports car? What is a cat's favorite sports car? Third and final riddle for today. How do you make fruit punch? How do you make fruit punch? Now, I'm going to come back at the end of the show and tell you what the answers are if you haven't figured them out. Some of them are easy. I'm sure you can figure some of them out. This is Birdsong. We'll be back with more for you. Birdsong back with you. I'm glad you're sticking with us. There's more on the show today. I'm here with EJ. I have a Paul Harvey story for you today. This is something about politics you may not have heard. Paul Harvey was a great broadcaster. His son, Paul Arant, wrote these stories. This one is called Vice President Who. Did you hear the one about the two brothers? First brother went camping at Mount St. Helens. The other brother became vice president of the United States, and neither brother was ever heard from again. Now, that was supposed to be funny. And yet I have here a list of great, of a great many men who would not have laughed at this. They are Daniel D. Tompkins, Richard M. Johnson, Charles Fairbanks, William Rufus Devane King. Each of them, at one time or another, only a heartbeat away from the presidency, and who today would and who today would even recognize their names? A favorite 1980s television quiz show question, quote, identify Walter Mondale. And the question recurred because so frequently it was answered incorrectly. Walter Mondale, of course, was a vice president of the United States. Now, once upon a time, a fellow by the name of George Mifflin was our nation's vice president. And George had a clear shot at the top spot. Yet with a single gesture, he threw it all away. Your biography so far, a politician's dream of respected Philadelphia family, a Princeton education, mayor of Philadelphia, a U.S. district attorney, and a U.S. senator. And now in the mid-19th century administration of President James K. Polk, you George Mifflin, our Vice President of the United States of America. Already, President Pope had announced that he would not seek a second term. Nothing stands between you and the Democratic presidential nomination. Why in the world would you cast it aside? What happened was a split vote in the Senate over a tariff bill. Sound familiar? The bill was getting lots of national attention, 
27 senators were for the legislation, 27 were against it. As presiding officer of the Senate, George had to break the tie. Oh, George knew what he was doing. He knew that if he voted in accordance with his administration policy, he would lose the support of the states he needed to win the presidential nomination. But George voted that way anyway. And do you know that even his home state, Pennsylvania, turned against him? One moment he was a favorite son, the next they were hanging him in effigy. In fact, the response to Georgia's Senate vote was so violent in his hometown of Philly that the Senate Sergeant at Arms was dispatched to the city to rescue Georgia's family. George received only three votes at his party's nominating convention in 1848. He then retired to private life, never again to hold public office. Aside from a brief foreign diplomatic service many years later, he passed quietly into that all but anonymous annal of vice president obscurity. He is long forgotten. But his name is not. George became vice president in the same year that Texas joined the Union. In the following year, a handful of Texans got together and decided to name a teeny tiny little village after George. It was really no more than a settlement back then. In fact, it was so small that by the time George died, folks were just getting used to calling it a town. George might have become president, perhaps even a great one. Yet, mostly because of one silly Senate vote, he was lucky to get out of politics in one piece. And despite the obscurity of his vice presidency, there is a plot of Texas real estate that will always belong to who? George Mifflin Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> wow. Isn't that something? That's the story. Dallas, Texas was named for that vice president that we don't remember. Okay, folks, that's the Paul Harvey story for this week. Timely about tariffs and things like that. Senate votes. Isn't it something? Well, anyway, there's more to come. Stick with us. This is Birdsong. We have EJ here. Keep listening. You learn something. This is Bert's on back with you. We're coming to the end of the show. EJ and I are here. I've got some riddle answers. I know the riddles are easy, but let's see if you can come up with them. EJ, why should you go to the paint store when you're on a diet? Why should you go to the paint store when you're on a diet? Can't answer. Well, you would do that. You'd go to the paint store because you get thinner there. <laughs> Second one, what is a cat's favorite sports car? Think of sports cars. Jaguar. You're close. Cats, their favorite sports car is the Ferrari. Ferrari, get it? (laughs) All right, the last riddle. Now, this is easy. Think about it. How do you make fruit punch? How do you make fruit punch? You want the answer? 
which is a burr probably, but other than that. How do you make fruit punch? Well, you give it boxing lessons. She was heading in the right direction, but she couldn't come up with it. All right, it's so much fun being here with you folks. Um, I usually end the show with a thought for the week. I hope you will think about these things. Listen here. Don't wish it were easier. Wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems. Wish for more skills. Don't wish for less challenges. Wish for more wisdom. Think about that this week. It's not difficult. This is Birdsong. We're going to sign off, but we'll be back with you next week. We're going to have some dumb Colonel Law stories, of course. We'll have the news of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Maybe a Paul Harvey story. And, of course, some riddles. EJ, let's say goodbye to the folks. Goodbye to the folks. (laughs) (laughs) Au revoir. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Abiento. Abiento. Bye-bye. This is Birdsong and EJ. We're out. Talk to you next week. Wait, 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 wait.